For those of you who don't know me, I'm Marla Miller, and I teach the Hooking Readers Workshop. Thank you. Grazie, grazie. And I have been with the conference, I think, you know, as if you were at the opening. Um, I've been with the conference since 1990 and became a workshop leader in 2003. So I absolutely understand both sides of the aisle. And um, I think it was a terrific conference. You know, after four years, we did good. Um, I'm going to do a little uh, platform building of my own. And I hope that you don't mind, but I've got to sign up a, a mailing list. And if you guys haven't been collecting cards, you really, really should. Um, I've been collecting cards, and I've been doing an uh, email list since 2003. And so you can imagine, yeah, I got a, I got a few names. Um, I am, if you want a newsletter from me four times a year, put your name and your email here. If you're interested in my Zoom read and critique, workshops, which are, in my opinion, fabulous. They're just, they're so easy. You don't have to, I, I'm used to, you know, back in the day we had to go driving. I used to go to UCLA all the time and I lived in Orange County. I'd go down to Laguna Beach for reading critique because they were that valuable. And now with Zoom, I mean, it was one of the gifts that at least COVID gave me because I love Zoom. And if you're not familiar with that platform, I encourage you to get familiar with that platform. It's terrific. So if you don't mind circulating this, anyone who's interested in getting on my list, please put your name and your email. And if you're interested in my Zoom, just put a Z some, you know, on the line. I learned about collecting emails back when social media was just, I mean, in its infancy stages. And whoever told me, I think told me, someone advised me to do that from this conference, and I can't remember who that might have been. But I've been doing it ever since, and I teach four to five con conferences a year. So um, you, need to find, you need to collect emails for when your book comes out, and uh, you'll already have a head start. So with that, we have uh, four panelists who have done pretty darn good jobs of, of uh, getting their books out and expanding their platform. Um, one of the, one of the uh, panelists is sick, came down with, with you know, the grunge. And so uh, Melinda graciously uh, is subbing in at the last minute. And so, you know, not every, you know, sub is the... Uh, Poet Laureate of the Santa Barbara, city of Santa Barbara. So I think we did good. Talk about a platform. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, so what I've asked uh, our authors to do is go down the line, say their name, and give just a short blurb on, on their book. And then we'll go from there. B? Hello. I'm B. Blozer. I'll set the scene. Equatorial Guinea, West Africa, November 1970. I'm sitting in the back seat of the embassy car after that hurried and whispered phone call. Our family is one of two American families in the country, and we are being driven to the safety of the American embassy. As my anxious gaze rests on the little flag flying from the car's flagstaff, I hug my toddler and preschooler and ask, what has happened this time? And that other question, what on earth am I doing here? The reason I was there 
my husband was helping to wipe smallpox off the face of the earth. So we would make it through our two years there, and I would use my cryptic notes that I kept hidden in the sock drawer to tell the story. And did you say the title of the story? Because some people won't. I did not say the title I, of the I didn't story. Think you did. <laughs> Vaccines and bayonets: fighting smallpox in Africa amid tribalism, terror, and the Cold War. Okay, thanks, Thank you. I'm Brooke Ashley, author of Dare, Write, and the Lonely Doll. If you were a child of a certain age, you may remember the book that made the New York Times bestseller list, The Lonely Doll. It was written by Dare Wright, who was my godmother, and precipitated a new genre in children's literature. Anne Patchett has said it was her very favorite children's book because it looked like no other. It was illustrated with black and white photographic illustrations and broke the mold. Uh, My book... My biography of Dare Wright tells the story of how the lonely doll came to be and whether Dare herself, if you see the cover, was actually a lonely doll. She created a doll that looked very much like herself from a 1920s Italian Lenchi doll. The book has drama, pathos, um, 500 pages of photographs and newspaper clippings. Uh, I inherited thousands of Dare's photographs, the rights to her books, the, um, all the copyrights. So it, re- it really rested with me to tell her story. And uh, as I said, there's drama, pathos, tragedy, and the story of a life of innocence that almost made it to the end without being shattered. Okay, thank you, Brooke. Melinda. Thank you. Ocotillo Dreams in hardcover and paperback is about immigration in Arizona, 1997, and it wasn't difficult for me to imagine myself being caught up in some of the immigration sweeps. Um, And the poetry books you could read about uh, Hellfire's story waiting and some of, and bird forgiveness in this week's Poetry Connection column online on the Independent. Platform, love it. My name is Yvette Keller. My publication is Douglas Adams's London. It is a map, like an actual map. Take it to London and go to places and learn about them. I love Douglas Adams, and I decided that I was going to go to 42 places that occurred in his novels over the course of 42 days for my 42nd birthday, and it was the first time that I had done any solo travel. So this is the first outcome of that to be followed by the iPhone app, wherever you get your iPhone apps, and um, a few other publications to fill in a little bit more uh, detail. But that's about me. Thank you, Yvette. Um, first, question, first question that I have so that we all um, have a baseline here is I'm going to ask each of the, the authors what their favorite platform, social media platform is, and just a little bit of why 
that platform works for them. B, do you want to start? Uh, can it be our favorite platform that is not social media? Sure. My, my approach is primarily public speaking, although I have started dipping my toes in the TikTok waters. <laughs> uh, my favorite social media platform toggles between Instagram and Facebook. Uh, many of Dear Wright's fans are of a certain age, very much Facebook followers, and the younger ones are Instagram followers. So I use them both. I don't like Twitter. <laughs> I use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm now dipping into YouTube. Now, what, what was the last one? YouTube. Oh, yeah, okay. So the question was, what's your favorite? And still, my favorite platform looks just like this. Because in my case, my audience is at science fiction conventions. And so I go to science fiction conventions, I wear crazy costumes, and I talk on panels. Um, I had asked each of the authors to, um, I asked them to share uh, what has been most effective for them. And um, B, I'm going to put you on the spot. Talk a bit more about uh, public speaking. But before I do that, I met B this year, and she's just delightful. But there's kind of a, um, a, sti- there's a, a profile of, of the kind of people that use social media. And usually people with my hair color and B's hair color, we don't like it. And so we resist it. Um, so the older generation just, you know, because we didn't grow up with it, et cetera, et cetera. This woman defies that. And I'm just so happy to, and she's not the only one. Zoe, I don't know if she's here. There she is. She also defies it. Um, they, they have embraced social media and platform building. They're not afraid of it. They, they might have been in the early stages, but they have grown to understand it. And um, that message, I hope all, any of you who are relating to you know, people who are adverse to social media, I hope that you listen to what this panel has to say because we're in the 21st century. We have, these are tools. And you can have fun with these tools. They don't have to be pains in the butt. They don't. They can be fun if you select properly. Um, you fit the social media platform to your personality. You fit the social media platform to your content. And this woman has, like, she just surprised the heck out of me. So be talk about, she public speaks everywhere. Go ahead. Public speaking is, is my favorite Avenue, um, first, and there are some must-haves. You know, I've heard some tremendous speakers, and several of you are are professional speakers. So I have nothing to to add uh, for you, except perhaps where you uh, you might look for some other audiences. Uh, the the th- first thing. As with any any of the promotional things, they always say you have to start with 
write a good story, write a good book. And you people are here because you have written a good story or you are serious about learning how to write a good story. So that's the starting point. And then you need to... So you have, you have most of the skills because you already know how to tell a story. But some of you are reluctant or nervous or scared to death to get up and speak to people. If you are out selling your book, you're going to be speaking to people, whether it's a group of 100 people or three or four, you're talking about your book. Come to Toastmasters. How many of you are in Toastmasters already? Okay, good. And I want to especially recommend the, and if you're in Santa Barbara, the Toastmasters chapter that I think is most suited to authors is the Presentation Prose chapter. And uh, Grace and her husband are, are our fearless leaders. Um, and it meets second Monday of every month. And um, it will help you, if, even if you're an experienced speaker, uh, you might want to learn to be a better discussion leader or uh, something like that. Whether if you are a good speaker and want to get better, come to Toastmasters. If you think you might like to try it, come and check it out. If you are so scared of speaking, it makes you so nervous, you pee your pants, then come to Toastmasters. Um, I'll do a follow-up with you, B, because I want to know um, how you snag these speaking gigs. But that's, let's move down the line. Um, Brooke, what about you? Did you have a platform before the book was published? Give us just a little taste of, of how you're seeding your, your, your platform. Uh, yes, I did have a platform because um, I inherited the rights, as I said, to the Lonely Doll series from my godmother, Dare Wright. So I had a website. I had darewright.com, lonelydoll.com, every permutation of those, dot .net, dot everything but XXX. Um, and uh, so I had a built-in fan base, uh, people who contacted me through that, people who, when I republished Dare's books, I put the website on uh, in the book. So there was, I massaged it, if you will, through Facebook and then Instagram. So there was something to build on. So that when I wrote my book, Dare Write and the Lonely Doll, I deliberately titled it so you would see both Dare Write and the Lonely Doll so people would get that spark of recognition. And then when the book was published, I had a special tab for the book, more tabs for more interesting tidbits from the book, okay. and, um, and put the book cover as it still is on the home page. Did you have a mailing list that you used to drive people to your website? I did have a mailing list. I had a mailing list from people who had expressed interest through the website. I had a contact page from the very beginning. Yeah. And then other mailing lists, particularly from doll enthusiasts. Good. Because those are, doll enthusiasts are going to be the people who predominantly will buy this book, right? I mean, 
if you don't like dolls, why would you care? You wouldn't, so you gotta find your tribe. I don't think Marianne Doherty is here, but she could be up here as well because she's done a marvelous job, and she's the first to tell you that she's not that crazy about social media, but boy, has she turned herself around because she found a site on Facebook that appeals to her readership, and she's getting an enormous amount of attention from it, which is really cool, and that's what we wanna do. That's what we wanna do. Melinda, tell us about your platforms and what you well, before I had uh, a novel, I, ha I had short stories, I had individual poems that were published in anthologies. And I would, I would cradle those anthologies, you know, as if I had written the whole thing. But I had one little piece in the book, but I would bring it along and I would, I would go to group readings and if there was uh, any kind of publicity, uh, television appearances or radio, I would, I would make sure to say I'm available. I'm, because So you there's, contact them? Um, well, the editor uh, for Latinos in Lotus Land that was published by Arizona State University, he, uh, Daniel Olivas, he would contact the readers. He would put out an email and say, our anthology is finally finished, and we have an appearance here at this bookstore. Who's available to come? We have an appearance. You know, he was he. I learned so much from him. Um, he he would set up readings for us at bookstores, at colleges, at caf, cafes, coffee shops, and that one. In fact, it happened to be the short story that uh, I read here at the conference, and in 2003, that short story won an honorable mention in fiction. And I built a whole career out of this one honorable mention that I had, and finally it was accepted in an anthology. And then I kept saying, well, I have, yes, I have a book. I'm in, I'm in this anthology. And it was something that, even though I didn't have my own book, I wasn't afraid to team up with the rest of the authors in that collection. And That's so valuable. Melinda. Yeah, we would go as a group. You know, it, it was we were power in numbers. <laughs> so, would you say, Melinda, that before, even if you don't have a book, and I, I think this is what you're saying, that if you can get in an anthology, look for them and get in them because that's the base of your platform. Yes, and it's also, it's very similar with, with the poetry book. The, the editors and publishers of poetry books, they want to know, have, have you been published? Do you have any poems published? And you could say, I'm published in this magazine, or I'm published in this journal that, um, I, there's this one journal uh, that, uh, an author, well-known author, Anna Castillo, uh, edited, and I and I was able to say, well, I'm in this journal, and I would also in the you, uh, for some of the uh, uh, old timers, you might remember me bringing uh, copies of my individual poems, and I'd come and I'd I'd, I'd say, oh. Here are some poems. I don't have a book, but I'll sign it for you for a dollar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
And did you get some takers? Sure. And what I did is I didn't just, you know, I didn't just print out the poem. I added, I, I put a little photograph from my, you know, I have thousands of photographs in my computer. I'd add a photograph and I'd try to make it into a, 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 a broadsheet, or even though it, it wasn't very fancy or letterpress, it, you know, it was something that I that I could have on display and to to sell. And you know, I had I had product, and it was my writing. And Fabulous. so you don't have to have a book to start promoting yourself or to start getting the word out there that that you're someone to look out for. Underline that, yeah. really. That's just critically important information. What Melinda is essentially saying to you is she took her creative juices that she puts on the page and she applied them to promoting herself. I mean, we're writers. We're creatives. We have imaginations. Use them to sell. And, and, and what a great example. And she's even collecting a buck a page. So here's the thing, writers. You can't be shy. And if you're going to be shy, go to Toastmasters. <laughs> really, to help you get over it. Because the best person to sell your book, if, even if you had traditional publishing behind you, the best person to sell your book is you. And if you don't want to sell books, then that's your choice. But we're all here because we want people to read our stuff, right? We don't want it to to um, rot in our hard drives after we're gone, right? Yeah, we want to be read. So you got to push past your comfort zone sometimes. You know, some of us don't have to do that, but some of us do. Um, go ahead. I, I won't mention who doesn't have to do that, but go ahead of that. Don't say it. Um, everything I know about creating a author platform, I basically learned from this panel, except back in 20. 16, 2017, okay, the first cool. time that I came to, to Santa Barbara that. Writers Conference. And I went to the author platform panel and I listened to everything that they said and I was like, okay, I don't have anything yet. I've never been published. I don't actually know if I'm a writer, really. I just didn't have any clue. But I was like, I talk to people on email all day, all the time. Mm -hmm. And so that was where I started, is I just started with a download of every single person that I had in my Google Mail, and at that point, everybody that I had in all of my other places that I kept email, and I consolidated them all, and I threw them all into an email management program, and I sent out emails for a little while, and I said, I'm doing a thing. Do you want to hear about the thing? I'm doing a thing. Do you want to hear about the thing? And some of those people knew, and they left really quickly, and some of those people have been on my newsletter reading about, at first, my random life. Whatever, I'm a writer. I can write about my life. Starting to do audiobooks. Well, they, some of them weren't going to listen to cozy mysteries. I mean, what's that about? And some of them are not Douglas Adams fans. But a lot of them have stuck around. So I think the thing that I would say is, yes, number one, write a good story. Number two, love, love, love your story. Because if you love your story and you love what you're making, whether it's a poem with an amazing photograph or it's a really cool trip that you took that you want to tell people about or a funny story that you just want to share with all of your friends. I mean, we very rarely write hand letters to the people who love us anymore. 
But if it's just a one-page thing and it's got pictures and some pithy writing of yours, people who love you may love your story or they may just support you because of whatever it is that you're doing. And because they love you, they will tell their friends who might love the next thing that you make, even if they don't. So um, so the email addresses that Marla talked about was exactly where I started. I threw up a web page, and I made sure that I had a place where I could really collect emails and information and provide things to people, provide fun, useful information over time. Because that's what makes people like you, that's what makes people trust you, and that's what keeps people on the inside of your platform reading and, and enjoying what you have to say. Um, that's excellent. Um, I thought maybe I'm looking around. Do we have any uh, questions at this point that we want to ask any of the panelists? Because this is a Q&A, you know, predominantly. Eugene. Uh, I have one. Um, what was your editing process? If these books are kind of independent monuments to your talent, your experience, whom did you trust enough to bring in to edit your stuff? Because I know that it, it took me, I used to write for the independent for years, and I used to cringe when they edited me. It took me a lot of trial and error to determine that anything worth editing was worth publishing. But, you know, I write long, you know? I think it's brilliant. Everybody else <laughs> wants to stick their finger down their throat. So how did you interact with your editor? And did you give your editors carte blanche to do what needed to be done to chop that piece that you just love so much? Uh, that, that is a, a kind of an extension of platform building. But I'm curious, too, Eugene. Um, have you, any of you had, um, you have any horror stories of, of your editors chopping your stuff or editors that you absolutely adored and worked really well with? My my editors um, with the Arizona State University. She, um, I, I found that they they that in in all of my books I didn't get chopped because I I was more I'm kind of what's the word um, minimalist. No, no, I I. I make sure that before I turn anything in, I'm obsessive. I'm, I'm perfectionist. Perfectionist. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, uh, the word is more obsessive. I'm, I'm obsessive about going through and 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 reading it, and I read it out loud. I um, I have someone else read it. I be. Before I, I turn anything in, okay. so I, I just I, I I don't like to get chopped. I don't like to get uh, rewritten. I, I want it to appear the way the way I want it to appear. So. When you're talking about platform, when you're talking about your author web page, when you're talking about your social media posts, when you're talking about the newsletter that you're sending out to those you know thousands of people when it, it goes out via email. It's still really important to get a second or, if possible, a third set of eyes. Because no matter how sort of everyday speaking sort of it is, there's going to be mistakes. Or, in my case, things that, and this is one of the reasons why I will probably never divorce my husband, among many others, he's a dude. 
And like he catches all kinds of stuff that it would never occur to me to look twice at. He's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And usually it's just one or two sentences, but he takes things in in a different way and he catches a lot. So no matter what it is, a newsletter, a web page, whatever, you've got to have a good second, if possible, third set of eyes. And I think that what we're talking about is trusting your editor. So find the editor that you can trust. Yes, Dale. This is not self-promotion. It's okay if it is. You worked hard all week. It's okay. But make it pretty brief because, yeah. Having attended Dale's workshops here at the conference a number of times, I got involved with the writing group that she was teaching in town. So I had a personal relationship with her, and I liked her feedback of the things that I had presented to her. And so when it came time to edit my book, I felt very comfortable uh, approaching approaching Dale to say, are you open to that? She said yes, and so we went from there and worked out really well. As far as the other end of it, promoting, I met Rachel through Dale. And so I already had somewhat of a built-in trust because of the level of credibility mm-hmm. that Dale had with me. And so that's worked out really well. And also. I think that's the, that's the key word. You have to trust your editor. And if, if an editor is... Um, if an editor is untrustworthy, you'll, you'll know in a, in a short period of time. You will, you will know. I've told this story many times, and I'll just very quickly. My first writing gig, because I started writing in, in, after my third baby was born. I was still nursing her. I was on deadline for a column. It was just a community newspaper. I faxed the column over. Uh, she had said 650 words, and mine was 800, maybe a little bit more. But it was good. It was a good column. <laughs> and she got it, calls me immediately, and I was literally nursing my baby, so if you can imagine that. And she says, you've got to cut 200 words. She said, I like it, but you've got to cut 200 words. And I said to her, oh, no, uh-uh. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's solid. She didn't argue with me. She just said, if that's the way you feel, fine, but we're not running it. And I went, well, <laughs> and I cut 200 words and faxed it to her late that night because, you know, I have three little kids. Um, and I stayed with her for a couple of years. She was probably the best editor I ever had. And it wasn't because she was uh, sunshine and roses. She was tough. 
but man, she really directed me. So you got to find editors that you trust. And I've had editors at the register that I, you know, and they just mark the hell up out of my stuff. But um, finding that finding that editor um, who honors your work, but also sees the flab in it, because not all of us, not every word that we write is golden. I know it's shocking, but not every word that we write is. So um, anyone else want? Yeah, go ahead, Brooke. And I'm going to put in a shameless plug for my favorite editor, Grace, okay. who um, took the giant binder that I handed her with maybe another 50 photographs, bringing it up to 550 plus photographs, and came back and said, cut the first part. You know, the first part's about that thick. And she was right. She said, begin when you come on the scene because you're telling this story. When, she, when you were born, when... I said, but there's so much more. I have all these wonderful scrapbooks and stories from her mother. I can go back to her great-grandparents. And Grace said, this is where you begin. And she was so right. Okay, great. Um, any other questions about editing? No, not editing. Dean. Now this, no, not about editing. Platform building. We're on platform building expansion. That's what we're doing. Thank you, Marlo. Uh-huh. My question is, uh, uh, I built platforms up the yin-yang. Uh, two for my book. I had a video platform on YouTube. I was, and it picked up things like National Lampoon re-ran my stuff where I was named uh, the first video blogger on Huffington Post and this kind of thing. But it's still nebulous to me, even though I've gone in there and designed it, uh, because it seems to me like a, uh, a shotgun spray trying to hit the target. I can't, in my mind, uh, everybody's online, but how do you... Uh, how did they decide? How do you narrowcast? Okay. Marla was talking in your workshop the last one about... Uh, about uh, Find your tribe. Your audience. Find your tribe. Find your tribe. Okay, so I want to know what, what you did that, uh, to focus it, and uh, I want to hear what the fruits of that effort were for you specifically. Yeah, there's a thing that they talk about in marketing that's called um, conversion. So you take someone and they're a lead, and then you convert them over to a customer. And when someone is your customer, when you've converted them to somebody who might be interested in your thing, to someone who has bought your thing and is going to buy all your future things, that's the conversion. And so a lot of platform building is, is we confuse it with just lead generation. So I'm on Facebook, and if you add up all the Facebook groups I'm on, I have an audience of like 250,000 Facebook people, Right? Some of those are not real humans. But the goal for me is to get those people to know, like, and trust me well enough to come be on my mailing list, right? Because the people on my mailing list are the people who will get the super secret, yummy, wonderful sauce. And one of the most common ways to do that conversion is something called a lead magnet. You offer them something for free, they give you their email address and you give them the thing. So one example is like, this is 42 places in London. 
One of my lead magnets is 42 more places in London. It's just a single sheet PDF. I make it look cute, but I get their email address. I've also used um, little quizzes. I don't know if you guys, there was a phase for a while where everybody on Facebook was like, do a quiz. I probably got 500 email addresses of Douglas Adams fans from a little quiz that I made that was just, what's your favorite Douglas Adams location vacation? And it was just a series of six questions and they filled it out. And in order to get the answer, they had to give me their email address. Now a bunch of those people dropped off, but you, you give them something that they want. That is their, that is a thing that you've given them for free. You're inviting them in an hors d'oeuvre, an aperitif. And then they give you their email address, which for you is golden, because now you can talk to them. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, go ahead. I had a question about those of you on social media, which is kind of a beast that needs to be fed constantly. And if you don't feed the beast constantly, the algorithm ignores you. So <laughs> I find it to be a very soul-crushing experience yeah. of how do I churn content? And I want to find out, those of you who are on social media, what does your content look like? Are you doing readings? How do you feed the beast? And how often do you feed the beast? To promote um, B, on, do you want to start on any platform? Uh, my thing is all... <laughs> so then you don't, you don't feed the beast uh, on social no, media? No, I am just starting on TikTok myself. So um, that's... Uh, all the other feeding the beast. I've, what I've been doing is, and I'm experimenting, I'm just learning. Yeah. So I've been doing all kinds of little videos and just find it fun. Uh, but I'm definitely in the upswing of the learning curve right now. So okay. somebody else needs feeding to. Feeding the beast. Feeding the beast. I like that. Uh, I like it too. Uh, I have access to thousands of photographs that Dare I took, outtakes from her books, uh, private photos she took just for herself, dressed in elaborate costumes. Uh, So I feed the beast with photographs that have never been seen before. And, uh, And that keeps them coming back to the trough. I'll give you another example from my workshop. Uh, uh, Is Nick here? I don't see him. Um, Nick is writing a book. It's historical fiction, and it's set in, I think, 1880. Um, And it's architecture. It's it's about building and architecture back at that time, and it has, you know, it's it's fiction. Nick also happens to be an architect, and interesting, he didn't see this connection until we, we did some, um, some uh, troubleshooting with him because he was having a hard time figuring out, he's on Facebook, but you know, what do I put on it? And it just so happens that Nick's book parallels what Nick is doing in Ventura. And he didn't see it. And so now he's got a, a pictorially driven opportunity on Instagram to intersect his present-day architect world in Ventura, where he is very well-known, 
with the historical fiction that he's writing, which has to do with uh, gentrification of, uh, I think, a, a town that was decimated. Interesting. We write what we know, don't we? And so think about that when you're on social media and trying to figure out what your story is about. I mean, what to post on, on, on Facebook or any of the platforms. Think about the intersect between you and, and your story. And remember that the idea for your story came from your imagination. So you're, that's where you're, tap into your passion. And then get creative. If you don't want to write long things on social media, and I, I advise you not to, because the attention span on social media is you know, a nanosecond, um, put those longer blogs, first put them on your website, and then go to um, sites like Medium and Substack. You can post for free. You get followers. I'm on both of those platforms. I post my longer stuff and stuff that I'm pitching there. I never really, I really don't put it on um, face on my Hooking Readers Facebook page unless I'm looking for uh, feedback um, or I'm I'm looking for quite frankly clients. And so I'll post it on Facebook and I and I I get some response from that. Um, but the, di the division between you as a person and you as a writer is not as demarcated as you might think. Figure out ways to intersect them on social Marla, media. Yeah. Uh, so I think some of the things I do to find audiences for speaking apply in looking for audiences for your social media as well. Mm -hmm. um, because my story is very broad, uh, I, I approach groups that are in uh, public health groups. I, I speak about uh, smallpox and the eradication program, behind the scenes things to people uh, in public health. I speak about the dictatorship we lived in to United Nations associations. Um, and I approach uh, college professors, departments of uh, like global health students and so on. I've lectured to classes in global health. Uh, the professors put my book on their um, uh, optional reading assignments list. And the uh, college and university classes I've spoken to, uh, the professors have asked me to come back annually as a regular guest speaker because they really think that there's nothing substitute for someone who's been there, done that, boots on the ground sort of thing. Um, and, and then when there are, of course, just general audiences that are interested in someone who's had quite a unique life experience and who had an African adventure, so to speak. So um, there are, and uh, the, I worked with SCORE mentors you can, this is free, it's an arm of the Small Business Administration. SCORE is, stands for Service Corps of Retired Executives. And they asked me, uh, what is your goal? Is your goal to sell books? Well, I said, well, yes and no. I have this important story that needs to get out there. And they said, oh, 
you want to be a thought leader. So, uh, sure, I do. Wanted me to read. Uh, they wanted me to redesign my website, have it not focus on my book entirely. So Lisa Engel redid my website to make it more um, a thought thought leaderish. Cool. And so, <laughs> uh, so look for the various audiences that your book or your story can apply to and and there are Facebook groups and all of those things. Uh, so it's just looking for the people who are... Who would be potential buyers of your book. That's what you're looking for. And you can right. scroll past the dinners that you don't want to see and the cats and the dogs that you don't... You'd scroll past all that and and... and Keep looking on these sites until you find your tribe members. And there are several sites that would be so appropriate for you on Facebook that are public health oriented. Um, and that's probably true for most of us. You just got to work it. Uh, and on TikTok, um, yeah. I've been surprised. You know, I thought, uh, oh, it's a bunch of people dancing and all this. I have found several epidemiologists that I'm following Absolutely. that are, all of their stuff is serious information there. Let me just put in a, uh, uh, my own personal opinion about TikTok, which I happen to love, and I just got on it uh, at Christmas time. It is loaded, and I mean loaded, with editors, agents, and authors. Loaded. And um, the, the um, hashtag for TikTok is BookTok. And you will find, you'll find tribe members there. You'll be shocked. And the other thing about TikTok that I really like is that it entertains me at night. I don't watch TV. I don't. Um, but I watch TikTok because there are some really funny people. There are some really talented people on TikTok. And uh, I know, you know, the Chinese are going to come and take over the universe. Um, but, you know, I'm just as concerned about uh, Mark Zuckerberg as I am of any of that stuff. So, you know, if I'm going to discriminate, then I have to get off all of them. Um, really, because I don't trust any of them. Uh, but just check TikTok out. You don't even have to join. Just go and scroll and do book talk and, and, and see if it doesn't uh, soften your opinion about TikTok a little bit. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think that um, Facebook is a, is a necessary evil. I don't. I wish that we didn't have to do this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I've I found that um, I would do little contests, or I'd say something like, "Where in the world is Melinda?" and and I'd I'd offer sending somebody a postcard, and people want that 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 they the ideal of Facebook, which is knowing the real, the quote, real you. So um, I've had, I've, I've also gotten several speaking engagements and I, through, through Facebook, and I think that's why I stick with it, because oh, yeah. I had a, an invitation to go to Natchitoches <laughs> and uh, speak at the, the university there. Because someone saw, a professor saw that I was going to different places and posting pictures at, at, at all at different places. And they said, oh, well, would you consider coming to 
Natchitoches? And I said, sure, I will come to Natchitoches. And I said that not, not knowing, uh, not expecting to be uh, paid for my time or my travel. I, I just said yes. But the bonus is I did get paid. Cool. You know, I, I'm watching time, and we only have seven minutes left. And so I, I'd like to just uh, open it up to you, and let's get as many yeah, questions. Quick thing, and I don't mean to monopolize. Yeah. Uh, when you developed your book and your, you know, your diverse, and you found your tribe, was that tribe that you found attracted to your book or to you as a human being, or what was it about the tribe? Because I'm a dwarf, and I don't have a tribe. The ones that, that do try, they don't like me. So when I put a book together, do I look for my tribe who would you know, be dwarf files or people who like to fly ultra aircraft or people who have been in the circus? This, this is your tribe, us. Yeah, we right. are your tribe. And I was, I was downstairs, and I, was, um, um, I bumped into Bar- Barnaby Conrad III, and he's, he, he mentioned you. He said, I, you know, he writes, he's a fantastic writer, and and um, yes, yeah, he, he did. Say, yes, you're you're a dwarf. That's you're a fantastic writer, but more important, you're a great person. And this is your tribe. We are here, and and that's why you came. Some somehow you you found your tribe. So. And let me just say, let me just quickly say about Eugene on Facebook because I think it's the only platform he's on. But he writes such evocative posts that people just are drawn to it. So you've already got it. You're building your tribe on Facebook. And, um, and all you have to do is, is go to his Facebook page and you'll know why. Because we want to read what Eugene has to say. Because he's a wonderful writer. That's okay. Zoe, go ahead. I first of all apologize because I am electronically challenged. Okay. But I you make up for it. Where, I wonder where do you draw the limit? Because recently I had to block a very good friend, a poet, on my Facebook because it took 10 minutes every day that I opened Facebook to read about where this Whatever. has been, yeah. what they have done. I had enough of it. Yeah. So I quietly dropped them. And my second question is, Facebook limits, if, if I want to be your friend, it will tell me you've passed 5,000. That's the rule. be your friend. How did you get 20,000 followers on Facebook? Groups. Groups and an author page. Groups and pages are unlimited. So I have an event Keller Facebook page, and if you are my actual friend, meaning like I actually know who you are, I might say, yes, please be my friend. Otherwise, I'll just re- respond to your message, and I'll say, go follow me as author Yvette Keller mm-hmm. on Facebook. And, and you have an author page, don't you, Zoe? No. On Facebook? I am challenged. I'm oh, okay. And I, you can create a group about anything. Yeah. And the group is... We don't... Okay. Sometimes send texts to my kids. She also, though, Zoe also travels anywhere, speaks to any group, yeah. 
and um, is very effective at selling her books. So you don't have to depend on Facebook. If you are the kind of person that has the opportunity and the checkbook to travel and you would rather public speak, you can do that. It's just that, that um, social media is very economical and writers I, I don't to tend address, to be... address the well, trolls. Hold on just a second, then Coles, yeah, and we'll get to Coles. Go ahead. Her well, hands I was been thinking up. of doing a podcast and yeah. ready to retire. Have you, any of you guys done a podcast or anything like that for promoting yourself and your book? Melinda, did, did you have a podcast? No, I, no, I yeah, watch for the link to the panel that was earlier today. I mean, um, it's a it's a it's a similar animal but different, uh, and we could probably talk offline. But yeah, it's a great great way to build a platform is to have a, another way that people can find you. And so, would you just say a little bit about about what you offered earlier? Is there a site that you go to to um, initiate your podcast? <coughs> I'm really old school. I always start with a business and marketing plan. But but there are lots of services that will put your podcast literally on all of the services all at the same time. I think nah, this is in my notes. I'll I will tell you the name of, of a couple of the main ones or shout them out if you know what they are. Or Stitcher, the other ones all pick it up. Pod Stitcher, Stitcher yeah. Basically, Stitcher. there's these these couple of places where when you put it there, it goes out to all of the other places that you can get. You know where your podcasts are sold. So you you do it, and then it goes boom, and it just it's a distributor. You're looking for a distributor who will distribute it to all the places where you can purchase it. Mm-hmm. Well, and nowadays you have to be so careful with the words that you use because you could be banned, like mm-hmm. the. Yeah, well, that's just the reality of our times. Yeah. If you do make your way to evettkeller.com, there's a really great blog post in there. The woman who I um, partnered with on her most recent podcast, I did all of the backside of it for her. There's a really, really great step-by-step-by-step, and she talked about where it is that we, we posted everything. Um, so my, my website is evettkeller.com. And there's an article on my blog. Just search for podcast. Okay, okay um, and, and keep this in mind that what podcasts are are radio shows. That's what it is. It's a radio show. Um, go ahead. I was just going, I'm just asking, are all the panels that throughout the week going to be up on a YouTube channel? You know, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Is Grace here? Just stepped out. She would be the person to ask. Okay, yeah, ask Grace. Actually, someone in my workshop uh, said, wouldn't it be a great idea if they were able to video all of the workshops? Well, back in the day, in the old days, we used to have every workshop taped. And then at the end of the conference, we would get in line, and that line would snake around the lobby of the Miramar, purchasing and I think they were like five bucks a tape or something like that and we would all go home with stacks because you can't be everywhere so anyway if someone wants to pitch that to Grace you know because there's a wealth of knowledge here and you can only cover so much more questions because we really are at the we're kind of at the end Marla can I say one more thing about yes, Toastmasters? Uh, How could quick, I say no to you? Very quick, very quickly about Toastmasters added to what I said earlier. Uh, 
come and try it out, even if you think you wouldn't like it. It's a very supportive environment. And the first time I visited Toastmasters in Tucson, I thought, eh, it's not for me. It's too much like Speech 101. Uh, it was, I thought it was so rigid. I, they may have been flexible as the club I'm in now, but I didn't bother to ask. So come and try it, visit, and, and uh, you know, give it two or three times and ask uh, be, questions be, about what you can do. Be, why is it always at 7 a.m. in the morning? Oh, no. My, my oh, why? 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 Because come, people work nine to fives. No. Come, come to our chapter of presentation. Prose meets at 6.30 p.m. 6.30 p.m. Come to the evening one. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I do want to address the oh, trolls because we talked about feeding the beast and social media. I, try, I, I do a lot of social media, but I get in and I get out. And also what I see, what I see um, people that have a kind of energy that, that are, that's going to drain you, I immediately unfriend or delete. You're, if you're going to comment on just the way I look, you're out. You know, this, well, is, this is to promote books, and, and, um, and I get rid of trolls, and this is about self-care. As writers, we need right. to protect ourselves, or protect our energy, and use the energy for creativity. And keeping just one last comment, and then we're wrapping up, because we've got a give uh, the staff time to set up. Um, you know that on, on Facebook, you don't have to block people that you don't want to come on your feed. Just unfollow them. Go to their page and just click the thing on the right-hand side, and you'll be surprised. When, you, when people friend you, you automatically are following them. And so you have to go through and unfollow the people that you don't want to follow, and then they won't come through your feed. It's that simple. You don't have to block them. Um, I hope this was helpful. Just remember, just remember that developing your, your um, platform is like writing your stories. It takes time. So please, be patient. And uh, because I want to see everybody sell their books, and this is what we got. You know, this is, it's the best of times and the worst of times. So let's just deal with the times. Thank you very much.